So Luke 24, this is the conclusion of Luke's gospel. I'm going to begin in verse 1. He says, On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. Now these are the women who were with Jesus. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Would you say they did not find? They did not find the body of Jesus. Now, had they found the body of Jesus again, this is a waste of time. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says that we're the biggest fools of all. We're the most to be pitied. But the glory and the power of God is demonstrated and that the body of Jesus was not found. The tomb was empty. I'm here to call this body and those watching online into a lifestyle of resurrection power. It grieves me that one day a year, somehow it's more okay to get excited about what Jesus did and the rest of the days of the year, well, I guess you just have to slink back into religion and tradition. You just have to shut up and be quiet and don't forget to tithe. Yes, I said it. They did not find the body of Jesus. This brings to view the uniqueness of the gospel message. There is no message like the gospel of Jesus. There are no other religions that parallel or match it. I've heard so many people say, well, all roads lead to God. Wrong. Only one way leads to God, and His name is Jesus Christ. He's the exclusive way to the Father. And if you do not believe in Him, and you do not submit and surrender to Him, then hell is your eternal destiny this is the good news why because you're still alive and breathing and you have an opportunity with the choice that God gave you to turn and to call upon the name of Jesus because he's alive that means he's listening did you know that Jesus is appearing all over the world to Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists he's coming to them in dreams and visions and they have no grid for the shining man in white told me everything about myself and told me to follow him see this Jesus is raised I fear that we've preached a Jesus that's still dead keep reading with me in verse 4 it happened that while they were perplexed about this behold two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling apparel this was more than just sequins y'all and as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James. Also the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. And these words appeared to them as nonsense. Would you say nonsense? 
and they would not believe them. Let me make this very plain. Hebrews 4 verse 2 says that the word was preached to some, but because the word that was preached was not united with faith in the hearers, it did not profit them. It did not benefit them. I fear that we have begged people so hard, just believe in Jesus, we'll do anything short of sin to get you saved, rather than preaching the true gospel, anointed with power, demonstrated with miracles, evidenced by real transformation and repentance and lifestyles that were once sinful, that are now holy and righteous by the grace of God. See, I fear that we've tried to woo people into faith but it's God's job it's the Holy Spirit's work to draw people and to convict them of sin and to bring them to a place of repentance so unfortunately this experience that these ladies are having where the angels or the dazzling men say why do you search for the living one among the dead do you know that people have that experience in our churches today People come, they're hungry. We had an opportunity in COVID through 2020. A whole bunch of people came through the door and they were searching for the living one, but they were among the dead. And we wonder why the moral state of our nation is in a total collapse. Why people are so confused, they can't define gender, we can't define words or roles anymore. Why? Because we've believed the doctrine of demons. And because in the church of Jesus, we have been put to sleep and told that if you preach the truth, you're just mean. You're just mad. You're just arrogant. Do you know that the arrows of the accusation of the enemy will come flying the minute that you determine to stand for the truth? Try telling someone that Jesus is raised from the dead. He's real to me. He's alive in me. He's convinced me of His power and His goodness. I've seen it in my own life. You begin to tell them and you begin to testify to them and you begin to keep it real with them. You know why? Are they asking you for permission to talk about their sin? Why do we do this thing where we like almost beg people? Like, oh, would, you, would you mind if I just told you a little bit about Jesus? We've got to begin to wear resurrection power every day that we go out the door. We have a sign at our house when you go out through the garage that says you are now entering the mission field. America has gone apostate. We live in a nation that hates God. We live in a nation that is despising His reign, that hates the Word of God. But I've got good news. The church of Jesus is called to shine brightly. In the midst of darkness. We're to be like those dazzling in apparel with the truth that, hey, he's not here. He's risen. The one you're looking for is alive. He's real to me and he can be real to you. Let me share my story with you. You know why? No one can refute your story. No one can tell you that it's not real. Why they weren't there, they don't know. You know the drugs, the sin, the addiction, the pain, the shame that you were under. And you can begin to testify to them. Why? Because our lives are living proof that Jesus is resurrected from the dead. See, my life was headed one way. And I was determined to do my own thing, my own way. But Jesus, the Son of God, grabbed a hold of me and made himself real to me and I can't but help share Jesus everywhere I go with everyone I meet 
I've made it a force of habit, of lifestyle. When we go and we have dinner, we ask our server, we're going to pray here soon. Is there anything we can pray for you for? In the name of Jesus, you would be surprised how many people just like that begin to open up their hearts and say, yes, listen, the world is looking for God. The world is searching for meaning. Everybody is confused that doesn't know Jesus. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. There's so much calamity. There's so much pain. There's so much deception and darkness. Why? Because the God of this world, the devil, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Anytime you talk about Jesus, I promise you will feel tension. You might feel it right now. You will begin to feel that stirring deep within you. Why? Because you're talking about eternity. You're talking about where we go forever. We are eternal beings. The part of you that loves and longs and desires and all those things, that's the eternal part of you. And some will be with Jesus and some will be cast into the lake of fire that was made for the devil and his angels. See, if we really believed in hell and the reality of his resurrection, that he came to offer us a better way, we would get busier sharing and contending and believing. Are you all awake this morning? He's not here. He's risen from the dead. He's alive. My burden is that so much of our lives, if we were honest, if people came and they said, is Jesus here? The, right, the, the honest response would be, well, we're looking for the living one among the dead. But the scripture teaches us that we once were dead. That we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And that God has resurrected and we were raised in Him. And resurrection power is living inside of you and I. Which means I actually have a choice with what I do with my life. With whom I serve. Has anyone here ever served sin? My God, I know I have. Sin is a cruel master. Sin will leave you emptier and more dead than when you started. The deceit of sin is that it makes you feel alive while you're doing it, but really you're killing yourself. Its, it's pleasure is fleeting in the moment, but then, oh, the shame, the pain, the regret, the, oh, I did it again. I, I, I don't want to do it, but I keep doing it. Jesus raised to set us free from all of that. I know we like to say Buddha's still dead, Muhammad's still dead. Y'all, they, they've decomposed. You can't even find a trace of them. They're dead, dead, dead. And yes, I am mocking them because anything that exalts itself against the name of Jesus, we cast it down and we make it obedient to the King of kings and Lord of lords. We've got to get a backbone instead of a wishbone in the church of Jesus Christ. Don't you like to be right? Ladies, look at your man and say, yeah, you do. I'm not talking about fighting in your marriage. I'm talking about the innate thing inside of you and I that we want to be right. We want to have the truth. We want to have a handle on what's real and what's righteous. Can I tell you, if you've believed in Jesus, if you put your faith in Him, you're right. You're right, and you can be made right with God this morning. There should be a privilege and a sense of honor that fills our hearts that Jesus delivered me from all this. 
that he was raised from the dead by the power of God and the power of God is living inside of me. How are we doing? So here's the title of this message. This is what I hear in my spirit. Jesus is risen. Now what? Jesus is risen. Now what? See, we have a problem in the body of Christ today is that we can't rightly answer that question. Jesus is risen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You could get a whole bunch of people to agree, hey, I believe Jesus is risen, but he's risen. Now what? Now what's the point? Now what are we doing? Can I get seven volunteers? I know that's a lot to ask. Somebody, okay, one, two, just start coming up. We're probably going to have too many, so some of y'all wait. Oh, look at all the hombres coming up here, praise the Lord, and Sandy, thank God. Three, we got seven. All right. All right, good deal. All right, stand up here. You guys, you guys are looking good. Okay, let me give you a sign. What's that say? What's that say, y'all? Can you read that? Birth, ministry, death. Ascension. What do you got, fam? Outpouring. What do you got, Brian? Return. The return. All right, is this the life of Jesus? Okay, uh, let, me, let me make this plain. Here's the birth of Jesus, right? We believe in the birth of Jesus. We believe that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Someone say amen. amen. That he was conceived by the Father himself and that he was born. And that he was born in a manger. And that his life was spotless. And then we believe that at the age of 30, we learn that he begins his ministry, yes? And he begins his ministry and the Gospels are written. And his first miracle is John 2 and the, the new wine in Cana that's demonstrated. He turns water into wine. He begins his ministry. He's launched into all these things. It's powerful, right? Amen. And then we have his death, that he was crucified on the cross. Do you believe that? That he was killed innocently he did nothing wrong about the age maybe 33 33 and a half and then we're here this morning saying it's resurrection sunday right why because he's raised from the dead not a trick question praise the lord he was raised right but now what he ascended into heaven and it said that the same way he ascended he will return yes someone say amen and then what happens we have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Did Jesus promise to pour out His Spirit? Did Jesus say it's to your advantage that I go away? Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. Because I'm going to give you my Spirit. And then we have the promise of His return, yes? That He's coming back. That the same way He went up, He will come back again. And that at the last trumpet, when that minute happens, when that moment in time that we're going to rule and reign with Him for a thousand years, we're going to watch Satan be cast down into the lake of fire. Oh, I can't wait to see Him get His. Somebody say amen. Where are my justice people at? 
So here's what we have. This is the life of Jesus. This was the whole point. Can I ask you two brothers to sit down? Here's the church of Jesus today. Jesus is risen. Now what? Oh, we hope he comes back soon. Because we're really struggling. We're really hurting. We're really full of fear and anxiety. And we have no answer for all the addiction and affliction in the world. Why? Because we've neglected the Holy Spirit. Because we've quenched the Holy Spirit. Because we've grieved the Holy Spirit. Could it be that this is a form of godliness that denies its power? Could it be that this is the problem and this is the tension in the body of Christ? Could it be that this is the problem that you might even feel in your family? That you can be saved but not filled? Y'all hear me this. Ephesians 5.18. Let me ask you a Bible question. You're not going to get it wrong. Ephesians is written to believers or unbelievers. Which one? It's written to the saints in the church at Ephesus, right? Why in the world does Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit in chapter 5, verse 18, tell a whole bunch of people that believe, be filled with the Spirit? He said, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why would you need to be commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because you can miss the whole point. You can spin your life in circles and be so confused because, well, I guess we're just waiting. He, the tomb is empty, praise the Lord, but Jesus, are you coming back soon? See, COVID in 2020, we're about three years now removed from the insanity of fear 19. But it came as a test to the church of Jesus. It came to show us where our faith really lies. It came to show us what's really in our hearts. And instead of power, instead of Jesus ascended and He gave us His Spirit, so many cowered in fear because we're missing the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So turn with me to John 16. Thank you guys. You can keep those if you want as a souvenir. Nick will sign it for you later. <laughs> Go with me to John 16. Let's continue to trust the Lord together. John 16 and verse 5. This is the words of Jesus. Does Jesus know what he's talking about? Yes, is Jesus Lord? Amen. Is what Jesus says goes? Verse 5 of John 16, But now I am going to Him who sent me. Who's that? The Father. Jesus, I'm going to the Father who sent me, and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper shall not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Does this say that it's better that he goes? But what happens if you reject the ministry of the Spirit? Yo, why is Paul preaching the Holy Spirit on Easter Sunday? It's the whole point. 
He's raised, now what? He gave us His Spirit. The church is missing the whole point. So if we were going to be honest, we'd say, it's to your disadvantage that I go away because you're going to reject what I've given you. Help me understand something, please. I've, I've genuinely tried my hardest to wrap my head around what the big deal is over the Holy Spirit, and I'm just not there. If you are a believer, right here, remember birth, right? You actually believe that somebody was impregnated by God. You do. No, I'm asking, you do? You believe that God impregnated a virgin Mary, a young girl, and she carried to full term a baby who they named Jesus through all these angelic encounters, right? That's wild. And then she births the baby, they name him, they're obedient, and he's raised, and we see this cool thing where he's in the temple, and he's like gets separated from his mom. You believe all that. And then you believe that he died, and he was crucified, and he did nothing wrong. Not a single thing wrong did he ever do. Not only did he do nothing wrong, but he did everything right. And he was wrongly convicted and crucified, And because of his sacrifice, you believe that your sins today are forgiven by a Jewish man that was hung on a cross 2,000 years ago. Am, Am I wrapping my mind around this clearly? So you're good with all that. We like that. But somebody speaks in tongues and we want to run out the door. But somebody says, I believe God was speaking to me. And we're like, that's the devil. So the devil can talk, but Jesus can't. So the devil can stir people up with witches and demons, but we got nothing. We just got a few little songs and nothing to say. What's the big deal? I don't understand. Other than there's a demonic force that rests upon the church. It's called fear, y'all. You know why God doesn't move powerfully in many meetings? Because the leadership is exercising ungodly control. And because fear manifests as control. So we actually get intimidated by the solution. He's the answer to the whole problem. We need the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you will receive power. Don't y'all want power? I don't mean dynamite power, like let's blow some stuff up, brother. I mean real power that has the power to shift and change your life, change your marriage, change your family, change your school, change your job, change your city. We're talking about that kind of power that's been given in the person of the Holy Spirit. But did you know that he's a person? Did you know that means you can grieve him? You can quench him? You can resist Him. You can harden your heart in the day that His voice is speaking to you. We believe every time we meet corporately, there's a unique expression of the Spirit of God that He wants to accomplish. Many times we don't know what it is. I was planning to preach something else, and at 9.30, I hear the voice of the Spirit say, if you're going to preach me, I want you to do it without notes. I'm like, Lord, it's Easter. He said, I thought you said it wasn't a performance, Paul. 
said, praise the Lord, God, deliver me from another layer myself. So we've missed the person of the Spirit. We've kicked him out of his church. And we've said, we can do it better our way. Y'all, if you begin just to dip your toe in this pool, the the sharks that are going to say, you're spiteful, you're mean, you're you're critical, they're going to criticize your criticism. But the heart is one of compassion. See, when we started this ministry, I naively thought telling people there is more of God available would be like a rallying cry. And people would be like, praise the Lord, let's learn and grow together. There's more of God. I don't want to miss anything that's available to me, right? But instead, I found that it incinged people. And there was an anger and a frustration. Oh, what are you saying? We're doing it wrong? I'm not saying we're doing it all right. I'm just saying Jesus said. I'm just saying Jesus said. I'm just saying Jesus said. The Word of God says it speaks to us of the person of His Spirit. Again, I ask you, why would Christians be commanded to be filled with the Spirit? Perhaps our misery and our depression and our addiction is the evidence that we're not filled or we need to be filled again. We need to get past our unbelief. We need to repent for the hardness of our hearts and receive the solution who is the Spirit of God Himself. The whole reason that Jesus said He was going away. It's to your advantage. But listen, if you were going to reject the Holy Spirit, you'd probably want to keep Jesus around. Hey, don't leave. We don't like like the Holy Spirit. We don't like how He begins to move in ways that we don't understand. Why? Because we want to be God and we want to be in control. We want to understand it. It's like for some people, they're, they're too smart for the things of the Spirit. And their intellectual prowess stands and bows up in pride. That says, well, if I don't understand it, it can't be. Did you know that logically and necessarily, if you could understand it all, you would be God? I thank God for the mystery of the kingdom. For the mystery of being born again. For the mystery that I don't understand it all. But Father, I feel your presence and I feel your truth drawing me and winning me and pulling me in. See, the whole reason for his resurrection was unto Pentecost. Was unto the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But I fear that so many have said, Jesus is risen. We can't wait for him to come back. Lord, we just need you to return right here and right now. How many people are hiding out in a cave in a bunker with 50 cases of water and all kinds of non-perishable goods because they believed a gospel without the power of the Holy Spirit? I'm telling you, if some kind of apocalypse and ultimate destruction is coming, I want to be in the streets preaching Jesus. I want to be telling people about the one who gave his life for me. Did you know that one of the evidences of being filled with the Spirit is boldness? That the Holy Spirit can deal with your cowardice. He can deal with your fear of man. And he can give you the fear of the Lord. He can lead you to have conversations you never imagined. He can take you from dreading confrontation for His name and actually learning to navigate it with grace and with peace. 
You don't have to be a bull in a china shop. You don't have to make people mad for the sake of being mad. You can have the right words at the right time with the right heart. And God begins to open people up to there's more of the Holy Spirit. We have believed so many lies about the person of the Holy Spirit. We have been duped. We have been deceived. We have allowed fear to grab a hold of our hearts. And it's time anew and afresh to begin a relationship with God through the presence of the Holy Spirit. If you believe in Jesus today, the Scripture says, and Jesus says, that the Holy Spirit lives in you and will be with you. And that He doesn't just indwell you, but that He wants to fill you. He wants you to be baptized. Jesus is the baptizer. Did you know this? Let's go to Acts 1. Let me show you real fast. Acts chapter 1. So Acts was also written by Luke. It's the second of a two-volume set. He wrote his gospel, and then he wrote the Acts of the Apostles. Acts 1.1, he says, The first account, that's the gospel of Luke, I composed Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up and had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of things concerning the kingdom of God. And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard of from me, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you shall receive when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. So the plan was always to endue you and I with power. Do you see it? He said you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. God wants to baptize you and I in His Holy Spirit. One of the primary evidences of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. It's having your own personal, private, devotional prayer language with which you can speak to God. A message in tongues given corporately on a microphone requires an interpretation so that the assembly can be kept in order. But do you know how many people are crying out for order, but they have no life? They're saying we got to keep it all in the riverbanks. And I'm like, brother, the river is dry. We need more of the Holy Ghost. I would love to be in a meeting where five or eight or 18 people are trying to prophesy at the same time, but we can't cry out order when there's no life. If you do that, what you're really yelling is control. 
See, God is coming to deal with the hearts of many in church leadership in this hour. And I'm so encouraged because there's widespread conviction that's going on in the leadership of, of people in the body of the Lord where so many are beginning to realize, my God, what have we done? We, is it any wonder that we filled the gap here between His resurrection and His return with entertainment? I mean, what else do you do? You look out, do you know how many pastors are quitting at astronomical numbers because they're tired of making people happy when that was never their job or their calling? That they were commissioned by God to preach and teach the truth. That they felt a divine drawing from the Lord to serve Jesus and to offer Him to the people. But they didn't fit in the system. So they said, we have to keep people happy. We have to entertain you. We have to make you feel a certain way. The curse of entertainment in the church is this. If you draw them with entertainment, you have to keep them entertained. That's how you end up with a fire-breathing, sword-swallowing unicycler on stage and calling it church. And yes, that's a real thing. Because we don't have the Holy Spirit. God forbid somebody prophesied or prayed for healing or spoke in tongues. But it will take a laser light show and smoke and mirrors. Holy Spirit wants back in. I can feel the knocking of the Spirit of God upon the church of America and the world saying, let me back in. Why? Because God wants to be the main attraction in His church once again. What if... We doubled down on Easter for prayer. What if we began to invest more time in weeping over lost souls than we did a program of some kind? None of this stuff is bad. When it's all you have to offer, when it's all there is to say, when it's devoid of the power of God, we're simply kidding ourselves. I challenge you to cultivate a lifestyle of the presence of God every single day. Because the Holy Spirit outpouring isn't just for a corporate woohoo. It's for the life-giving presence and power of God inside of you. He's called the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that set us free from condemnation. We're called into a life-giving, life-changing, relationship with God through the presence of the Holy Spirit. But this is something that you have to cultivate. You have to be willing to speak His language. Hello. But I, I want to understand it. It says that when you pray in the Spirit, that you speak mysteries to God. That though your mind is unfruitful, your spirit is praying. And that you're actually edifying yourself. You're being built up. I'm here to tell you, I would have committed suicide and left this earth if it was not for praying in tongues. If it was not for the indwelling hope and power of God harnessed through my dumb tongue, through a stupid language to me, but it glorifies God. You know why? Because I'm not smarter than Jesus. We used to say back in the day, if He said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Now we say, if He said it, I question it, and I don't know. 
I'll just live, live my life in intellectual unbelief and I'll perish because of my lack of faith. I'm here to provoke you this morning. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Jesus is risen, but find out the point of His resurrection for yourself. Trade the fear of what the Holy Spirit could do in your life for real presence and real anointing. You will never be the same. You know what the enemy does, though? When people are aboard a sinking ship that will not allow God to move, that has kicked God out of His church, He tricks and deceives people that are on a sinking ship to try to right the ship so they go down with the ship. Some of you are tracking with what I'm saying. But you need to understand... Go where the presence is. Go where the power is. Fellowship with people that are hungry for God. Spend time with people that stoke the fire of God in your life. We don't have time for the wet blanket brethren. We don't have time for people that simply want to criticize and nitpick and nag. Did you know that you can have perfect theology and be wrong with God relationally? The Pharisees, they were keepers of the law. They were lawyers. They were scribes. They were experts. They knew it inside and out, but somehow they knew the book and they missed the author. They missed the entire point. You can elevate Scripture so highly that it's actually not taking you into a relationship with Jesus. You can quote God's Scripture and it means nothing to you and nothing to Him. If your heart is far from Him, but your lips are saying, I love you. See, God is after the aroma of our lifestyles. Because if Jesus is risen, then everything He said matters. And everything He said, we're going to be held accountable to. But if Christ is still in the grave, then who cares? Let's do whatever we want. But He is resurrected. And there's hope this morning through the presence and through the power of the Spirit of God. I don't want any person here or watching online to miss the whole point of the resurrection of Jesus. He didn't just rise from the dead and disappear and say, be back later. He said, it's to your advantage I go away. I'm going to send my Spirit. Who is this Holy Spirit? He's the Spirit of truth. He's the spirit of grace. He's the spirit of holiness. He's the spirit of righteousness. He's the spirit of life. He's the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead who lives inside of you and I by faith. But he doesn't just want to save you. He wants to fill you and baptize you. He wants to grab a hold of your whole life and cause you to speak a language that you don't understand that it might give Him glory. See, the problem is that we've made a safe haven for people that are stuck in the gap. Oh, I believe in Jesus, but I want to keep my lukewarm life. But the Holy Spirit brings conviction. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit begins to say, hey, I don't like that in your life. Have you ever had the Spirit of God within you tell you to watch your mouth? I had some smart thing to say to somebody. It was like, hey, watch your mouth. I love you. 
Why? Because he begins to put a governor on you. He begins to produce the fruit of his spirit inside of you. Who cares if you can speak in tongues if you're a jerk? Somebody say amen. The spirit of God makes us more loving, more patient, more kind, more forgiving. But the spirit of God doesn't make you a coward. And love needs to be redeemed in this hour. Because I'm tired of hearing about a love that knows nothing of the truth. 1 Corinthians 13 says that love rejoices in the truth. Love and truth, they dance together in a beautiful song. And they can't get enough of each other. But you know what happens when you pull truth out of love? You're left with tolerance. Which the church of Jesus Christ is drunk on. I mean punch drunk on tolerance and tolerating sin and tolerating Jezebel and tolerating demons and tolerating lifestyles that displease the Lord. But oh, they're our biggest givers. Don't upset them. Why? Because we've sold out for other things. But Jesus wants to be the Lord of our lives. And the Holy Spirit wants to take over everything that we have to say and do. So my friends, please don't miss the point of the resurrection of Jesus this morning. Please don't go another Easter cycle, another Advent, another everything, and not see the whole point of Jesus. Remember, He's risen, but now what? Would you say, Holy Spirit? Spirit. You got the answer right. But who is Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit like? What is the Holy Spirit dislike? Find out what grieves the Holy Spirit. Find out what quenches His presence. Find out what makes God feel far away and stop involving yourself in those things. This is the journey of holiness. We can't say we're in fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit and not be being made holy. James says that your religion is worthless if you can't even watch your mouth. If you can't even mind your tongue. The Holy Spirit is the reason that Jesus went away. Did you know He's called the Spirit of Adoption? Romans 8 says that the Spirit speaks to our spirit. And says, you are a child of God. The Holy Spirit has a role and function in our lives. And when we begin to stray. And when we begin to get far away. And when we begin to get filled with doubt and unbelief. The Holy Spirit pulls us in and says, that's not who you are. See, I stopped sinning because, well, it's right or wrong. And I stopped sinning because it was, that's not who I am. That's not what Jesus paid for in my life. That's not what Christ went to the cross for so that I could play games with the world. No way. He's the spirit of adoption who draws us to the Father so that we don't have to live as orphans. So that we don't have to live without guidance. We don't have to live without truth. We don't have to live without His presence. We don't have to live without answers to the problems that ail us. Why? Because God is the solution. And the Holy Spirit Himself is our helper. He's our comforter. He's our teacher. He's our counselor. He's our friend. 
He's so much more than an aid to help you read your Bible. I mean, it kills me. It's like people, though the Holy Spirit only shows up when I open the Word of God. I'm like, no, the Holy Spirit wants to put the Word of God inside of you and keep the lights on 24-7. The Holy Spirit can speak to you in your dreams. The Holy Spirit can give you visions. The Holy Spirit has given gifts to His church. See, the whole reason Jesus ascended was to fill the earth with Himself. Ephesians 4.10 says that He ascended, that He might fill all things. And He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. So we have the fivefold ministry given to the church, but you know what? We're like, oh, we don't believe in any of that. No wonder we're in such trouble. No wonder we have entertainment. Because we've kicked God out, but it's time to welcome Him back into our lives and to our churches and say, God, we need a full expression of the ministry of Jesus through apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. We need a full expression of Your Spirit given to us through the multifaceted gifts that You've given Your body. If you're here and you've believed in Jesus, did you know you have gifts from the Spirit of God? And not everybody's gift will lead you to speak on a microphone, but it might lead you to make a meal for someone who's hurting because you have mercy, the mercy of God inside of you. It might lead you to have a word of knowledge in a moment, knowing something by the Spirit that you couldn't know that changes the course of someone's life. And here's the amazing thing about a benevolent God, is that the work that He does through you He rewards you for. I do not understand this. You step up to the plate and he hits a home run and then he lets you run the bases and feel like you did something. And then when you touch home plate, everybody celebrates you and you're like, what? Like the reward system of God is nonsensical to me. Yes, he's going to reward you For saying yes. And he put the yes in your heart. He's going to reward you for what you did by faith. And he gave you the faith to believe. He's going to reward you for what you did by his grace. And he gave you that grace in the first place. (laughs) Ephesians 2.10 says that we're his workmanship. His masterpiece. That we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. That we would walk in them. They were already prepared beforehand. So God like sets this table up for your life. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you just walk right in. So long as you're in connection with Him. So long as you yield to Him. So long as you allow Him to move. You just step in and it's already set up. And then you get all the rewards for it. You get credit in heaven for a bunch of stuff that God did through you. But if it wasn't by the Spirit, if it wasn't according to the Holy Ghost, and it was your own flesh, it all burns up. And you'll be saved, but there will be no reward. Don't you want to function in partnership with the Holy Spirit? My God, are we too busy for the Holy Ghost? Uh, I don't know how many times in my life, it says the Holy Spirit will remind you of the words of Jesus, right? 
He'll bring to remembrance the words of Christ. I don't know how many times in my life I've not felt like helping somebody. Can I tell on myself? I ain't got time for you. I'm busy. I got stuff to do. I got a family. And I'll hear the Lord say, whatever you did to the least of these, you did it to me. And I'm like, turn the car around. We just passed by Jesus and didn't have time for him. We better go pick him up. That's the leadership of the Holy Spirit. When you begin to live a spirit-led, spirit-empowered life, I promise it's way more fun. It's full of life and full of joy and full of peace. You will find yourself having a vibrancy to you, having an expectancy to you, having an attraction to you that other people are going to go, what is going on with you? You say, it's the Holy Ghost, active and alive, working in me and working through my family and changing how we think and feel and speak. Because it's the presence of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is risen. Now what? Holy Spirit. Presence of God. Power of God. Don't you want to lay hands on the sick and see them get better? Don't you have a hunger and a desire to see God do something that you could not naturally do in your own strength? But when it begins to happen, I'm telling you, you get hooked. You get pulled in and you say, more of that, Lord. And he begins to say, if you want more of my presence or my power, I need you to change the way you talk. I need you to change what you do with your money. I need you to change where you spend your time. If you want to go deeper, the, the less you can take with you. The farther you go in God, but can I tell you, it becomes an honor and a privilege to give things over to Jesus. See, some people are afraid of the Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost atmospheres simply because of the conviction of sin that He brings. Our pride will stand in the way of us and more of God. And our pride is what has to come down. you got to stop caring what other people think about you. Yeah, I don't know how many people, they, they like give people a warning about our Father's house. Like, hey, uh, the, the, the service is a little different. It's a little, it's a little bit off the grid. It, there might not be preaching. There might be, why do we do that kind of stuff? Because we're afraid of what people think. I mean, if someone was on their way to rehab for drug addiction, you wouldn't say, hey, brother, just want to let you know that you might stop doing drugs and get free from addiction if you go there. we got to stop being ashamed of the Holy Spirit. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and I'm not ashamed of the power of the Holy Spirit because it's at, it's at work in my life, and it can be at work in yours. But we've got to learn again who Jesus said the Holy Spirit is, who the Scriptures teach the Spirit of God to be because He's so much more than your Bible study buddy. He actually brings the scriptures to life and they become powerful and meaningful. The breath of God. Can I tell you something? You do not have to choose between the word of God and the spirit of God. Uh-uh. You ain't got to do it. You don't say, well, we, we got to have good doctrine or tongues. Both tongues is good doctrine. Try that one on. Prophecy is good doctrine. Power is good doctrine. Miracles is good doctrine. Because Jesus said these signs will follow those who believe. 
He didn't say these signs will follow everyone with eight years of Bible study degrees and all the right thoughts. But the faith like a child. What could childlike faith do for you today where we stop being so heavy and so complicated and so fixated on all that's wrong and we just receive Jesus' yoke which is easy and His burden which is light. He raised from the dead to offer us a better way. But if we reject the spirit that he sent, the Holy Ghost, to fill us and endue us with power from on high, we are left without a real solution. And you will end up just hoping Jesus comes back soon rather than living as a victor and an overcomer until the day that he does. See, you start thinking like, Lord, your timing is perfect, but could you give us another week? Because I've still got some family and some friends that I'm pretty sure they're going to hell. I've still got some people in my life that I want to see repent and turn to you. Instead of, oh, hurry up and get me out of here. It's like, give us a little bit more time. We've got work to do. I promise you, life in the Holy Spirit is so much more fun. I'm trying to invite everybody into more of Jesus. Did you know that the book of Acts calls him the spirit of Jesus? Matthew 10, 20, he's called the spirit of your father. (laughs) So which one is it? We hear people say they they talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. (laughs) Like, yeah, we get it. (laughs) Like the Holy Spirit isn't jealous When we talk about Jesus and Jesus isn't jealous when we talk about the Holy Spirit because it's the three in one divine mystery that we embrace. The Holy Spirit will help you honor and exalt Jesus and Jesus will take you right into the heart of the Father and show you how to live as a son and daughter to Him. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, I want to ask you to stand this morning. There's no pressure to stand. I really want you to stand if you mean it. So here's what we want to do, just being led by the Lord here this morning. If you need to go, we love you. We bless you. Thank you so much for coming. We hope to connect with you. If you need to go, God bless you. Please feel released. But I want to open these altars for the Holy Spirit to do His work. Because I believe there are people here this morning that have rejected the ministry of the Spirit. And there are people here today that have been deceived or made afraid about the things of the Spirit. And I want to encourage you to come forward this morning. If somebody wouldn't mind getting the lights, if we could turn those down. I just want to create an atmosphere for God to move. He's already here. The only thing that will keep you from an encounter with God is pride or shame. And you're going to have to ask the Holy Spirit to help you with those. But if you feel moved on by the Spirit of God in any way, if something that was said in this service this morning about the presence and the power of God is drawing you, I want to invite you to come forward this morning. You can begin to move right now. If you just want more of God, if you've never even heard preaching like this and you're just hungry for more of Him, it's just a general thing. But if you're hungry for more of God, I just want you to come. And it's not because somebody's going to pray for you. It's because we're going to reach out to God together. And again, if you need to go, God bless you. 
We love you. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to encounter some people here this morning in a mighty way. There's going to be baptisms in the Holy Spirit. If you don't know Jesus, if you're not submitted or surrendered to Him, and you want to give your life to Christ this morning, I want you to come forward and receive Jesus and call upon His name for the forgiveness of your sins. If you're conscious at all of rejecting or grieving the Spirit, you need to be down here right now. Nothing special about the front. It's just an act of obedience to the Lord that says, God, I'm sorry. God, I want more of you. Jesus, I want the fullness of what you died for, of what you paid for on the cross. if you did not feel compelled to come down here, you are now on the prayer team. You get a special lanyard. And I want you to begin to pray with me. And just begin to exalt the name of Jesus. This is going to require you to do this out loud. Because the days of silent prayers are over. God is looking for us as His people to lift our voice and to cry out to Him. And to exalt Him. And to break the yoke of religion that tells you to shut up and sit down. You're in church. Let's begin to push back against darkness together. Holy Spirit, we love you. Holy Spirit, we want you. Holy Spirit, come and have your way right now. Holy Spirit, come and convict us of our sins. Come and show us the ways we've grieved God. Would you break out right now? Would you begin to move the mountains of unbelief? Would you begin to break the shame? Begin to break off apathy and indifference. God, would you deal with our complacency and our boredom? Forgive us, Lord, for trading our birthright of your presence and wanting to be entertained. We turn back to you, Lord. We want to be equipped once again. We want to be trained and raised up for the work that you've called us to do. We want you to know there's freedom in the Holy Spirit here. If you need to sit or stand or kneel, if you need to clap or dance or raise your hands, or fall on your face before the Lord. Whatever you need to do to encounter God in a real way. There's no pressure to do anything but be obedient to the Lord Jesus.